Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Want to learn a new language? And who doesn't? Well, experience immersive lessons from the most trusted language app, Rosetta Stone. You know you keep telling yourself you want to learn a new language. The true accent feature even gives feedback on your pronunciation so you can speak the language like a native. Find lessons as short as 10 minutes, making it easy for you to learn anytime, anywhere. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to StarTalk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. StarTalk begins right now. We're back live, Star Talk, San Diego Comic Con 2012. Two special guests. We've got the bad astronomer Phil Plate, friend and colleague. Phil, love to have you. Love you, man. It's great to be here. Love you, man. I love doing this show. Gary Delabate, tech gadget extraordinaire, writes about tech gadgets for Sound and Vision Magazine. Sound and Vision Magazine. Very cool. For this hour, I just want to talk about gadgets that we still need, not ones that exist today, but ones we wish already existed or we think might be a little just beyond our horizon. Why not start with some movie gadgets? Well, I'm going to jump right off of that. I'm going right to Star Trek. Star Trek, I, well, okay, know, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys, seriously, as scientists, what about to say, are we 20 years away, 50 years away, or 1,000 years away from teleportation? Have you, oh, come on, when you're sitting in, <laughs> when you're sitting in the LA airport on your way to yeah. New York, don't you dream of Going in the William Shatner cubicle and teleporting to New York? Maybe a Patrick Stewart cubicle. But, uh, well, so there's a difference. There's the teleportation room, but all you really need is your own portable wormhole that you can yeah. dial in a location. Right. And then you just travel, and then you don't have to decompose yourself and, and hope that you, you, yeah. you reassemble correctly on the other side. So how do you, where do you get a wormhole? Well, in Star Trek, they always talk about we're going to convert you from matter into energy, which we can then, you know, send off as a beam or something to some other place. And the problem with that is you convert your mass and energy, that would be an explosion larger than every nuclear bomb on the planet. That would be bad. Right, so the energy right. contained by E equals MC squared exactly. and all of its atoms would take out this quadrant of Earth. Yes. Yes. That okay. would be bad. On the other hand, there is an equation that describes the way you're constructed. And if you could write out that equation exactly, then I could redefine you someplace else. The problem is that's sort of impossible. Well, if that's the case, then you don't have to lose him here. You just duplicate him in another place if the equations define it. That's so then you could, just, you could just, that's essentially a clone. Unless right. there's a term in the equation for a location. Ooh, Ooh I don't know. I'm making this up, Ooh. right? 
But so, so, so that's right, because he's only himself here at this time and yeah. place. That's got to be part of the data. Yeah, space yeah, yeah, and yeah. time. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so it's a great writer's tool. Writer's that's tool. impossible. Absolutely. So they don't have to keep landing the ship back right. and forth. But it's impossible? Do you guys feel it's impossible? Yeah, I hate to use I, that I, word, yeah, right? Yeah. I would say a thousand years or more. But okay, but it's seven. Uh, how many years would you say? Thousand and one. Price is right, right? If I go one dollar. No. Okay. If right. in the year eighteen fifty, in the year eighteen fifty, which is a hundred and seventy years ago, if I'd have walked up to somebody and I told them that forget about the telephone and the telegraph and the television, all that stuff, that we're gonna have devices where through some weird thing in the sky we can look at each other and communicate that way. That would have seemed as outrageous as what I just told you. Okay, so no, no. Uh, if you come a little later, like. 1890s because by then we had the telegraph and so we knew how to use electromagnetic energy to send information and if you said what the day will come where all the information of the world will be transmittable in this way you could essentially extrapolate to that point there's no way we can extrapolate to a teleporter right that doesn't break the laws of physics or engineering but a teleporter, as we understand physics right now, a little dicey. It's kind of like faster than light travel. Yeah. Uh, using a wormhole to create a wormhole and go through it, physics says that doesn't work as we understand physics right now. Now, Star Trek was what, the 23rd century? Depending on which one okay, you're talking first, about. The first, yeah, the first but, one. Yeah, yeah, whatever, a couple right. hundred years A couple now. hundred years ahead. So, what I'm entertained by are the gadgets they had that we invented and now we're beyond them. Yeah. Right, that's right. <laughs> the Macintosh disc. I mean, those little oh, colored those little discs, discs that they yeah, use. They, they, Spock had them, right? Yeah. And I've just been rewatching with my kids from the beginning, the first series, and they talk about storing data on tapes. Mm -hmm. And so that itself, we're right. past. When I first saw Star Trek, the most unbelievable part of it to me was not the warp drives or the photon torpedoes or the tra transporter. It was that you could just walk up to a door and <laughs> it would open. Yeah. I said, how does it know? It doesn't know. Yeah, but I'm unimpressed by that because a year after that show, they were able to do that at my local A&P. Well, I know. Oh, I know. Ah, but, but they were those pressure sensitive. Use, um, pressure yeah. or they're infrared sensitive, right? right? What if it's a weightless being that is at room temperature and it's just waiting for somebody to walk up and open the door for it? A weightless being at room temperature would not be able to open the door. Yeah. How would the thing detect it? No, no, no. Need something oh, no, no, else. no, 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 no. The infrared is not detecting your thermal radiation. I know, it's breaking it's, it's, the... It's no, it's just reflecting the, yeah. the, the light, yeah. like your remote it, control. Okay, it's an infrared absorbing alien. Okay, right. But I, can keep, I can keep doing this. Well, yeah. Okay, then that alien ain't walking through the door. <laughs> yeah. right. when, when you talk about future gadgets, one of the I'm things... I'm okay with that. One of the things that I, I... How come in my house it never has come to a handprint on the door to open things up or a thumbprint on the door? It could be. But why hasn't that gone on? I mean, the technology is right? there. Bio, biometrics. Yeah, but suppose you eat and can't. You know, how often you have to clean the surface of your iPad because of gunk? Yeah. I love, I love those movies where they cut off the guy's thumb and they yeah, keep exactly, it. Yeah. Oh, what's the one where they took the guy's eye? Yeah. In, 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 a, in a baggie. Yeah. And that then was for, nasty. The, for the retina. What? And for me, I slice my hands up all the time. I'm a complete klutz. So this thing would constant. I'd have to actually program it to say. Well, what about oh, yeah, eye, what about eye recognition? What about eye recognition? Do you remember the scene in 2001, the movie, where it's such a a romance of the future that as he's coming onto the space station he has to go into the secure area says welcome to voice print identification yeah, yeah you know yeah. state your name christian name first yeah. given name that's second yeah that's right and then he says it and thank you voice print and so, so and they took five minutes to just relish in the voice print that, identification. by the way that movie's very ambitious because 2001 came it didn't look anything like that <laughs> I did. yeah, that's exactly really true. Right. 
Well, actually, AT&T was out of business. Howard Johnson's was out of business. Pan Am. Pan Am, right, right. Yeah. But we did have a shuttle. But you'll notice on the ship, when they're going to Jupiter, I believe this is true, they had little flat screen computers that sat on... No, uh, they were in the headrests. In the back headrests. The, the, they were they iPads. Those, but there were some that were sitting on a, on a, on a, on a countertop or oh, okay. something. And yeah, they look just like iPads. And it makes you kind of wonder if maybe you know Steve Jobs or whatever was looking at that going... Well, listen, we all had access to the movie. He yeah, thought yeah, of it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's what, that's what it takes. So what else from Star Trek you want? Oh, you want the teleporter, we don't have it, sorry. I want to figure out a way to not sit in traffic. How to not sit in traffic? Move to some place where you don't have to sit in traffic. Be a blogger. No fun. I never have to leave my house. I, I, always had, I always had this dream that, like I work in the city and I live in Connecticut, I always had this dream. The that, city, New York City. New York City. That I would get in my car and I would hit some buttons and via some sort of magnet underneath the ground or whatever, that I could like put my chair back and it would just take me home. We could do that. That's not an unimaginable future. Right. In fact, it can take you faster than you can drive it because a computer can take you faster with greater precision than right. a human. And there's no accidents because if you, theoretically, right. if the grid is being run correctly. Exactly. Right. That is just a simple computing power thing, right? Let's talk it, more about that because I think Google designed yeah. a car that would be undriven. And un when we come back to Star Talk, more on gadgets and the future. Dateline, San Diego, Comic-Con 2012. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your host of Star Talk. Today we're talking about gadgets. We always wish we had gadgets of the future, gadgets imagined by creative science fiction writers and represented, demonstrated on the unlimited infinite palette of cinema. And I've got with me the bad astronomer, Phil Plate. I've got gadget man, Gary, right here. Gary, welcome to Star Talk. Thank you. And so, Oh, let's let's talk about Star Wars. There's all these Star Wars characters walking up and around here. And Star Wars, they got the lightsaber. They got they got droids. Did you have any? You're a gadget guy. Did like, was anything they used that you felt you wanted or should have? We want to invent. I got to think about that. There's nothing that's jumping out at me. That because I'm I'm more of the audio visual stuff. But uh, well, you know you know what I did. Well, well, okay. How about the 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 holographic. Uh, movie thing, right? Oh, so so now, what would you use that for? Would you use that to send a message to somebody the way they do in the movie? I guess so, but remember when they did it in the movie, you didn't actually have to look at them. It was just an audio. What mattered was the audio, right? Right. right. So I mean, they're just trying to show off that they could do. I, I, thought, I thought it was sort of confirmation that you were actually getting it from the right person. Oh, like, you know what I mean? In other words, oh, like, instead good. of making a fake audio thing, you oh. could see that it's the right person. You know, my favorite part I'll of that, that. Whole thing. that's good. So that's the future equivalent of the the ring stamp on the ceiling wax. wax. Seal, right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah exactly very right. good. Yeah. My favorite part of that whole thing is at the end you see Princess Leia look because, right, the, the Empire's coming and she turns the thing off and it's like, you know, no time to edit this. I mean, exactly. she was getting away and sending it off. I think, you know, maybe. I guess the Empire was right on her, but you see that a lot in YouTube videos now. So they were you know, fairly well ahead of the time. There, now, one of my issues was with C-3PO because, you know, he's a robot, right? But a robot doesn't have to look like a human. Well, the I human form is really poor at so many tasks. Well, look I at him, he can't even run. Well, but there are a lot of different robots in that movie, some smaller, some bigger, they've run the gamut. That's true. And I do think that there are some things that a human robot a what, humanoidal robot. Yeah, well, you know, just functionality with yeah. handshaking and the way they hand things to you. Remember, he's a protocol droid. And most of the aliens in Star Wars are humanoid. So you want to see something that looks familiar, but doesn't get into the uncanny valley and freaks you out. 
So he's vaguely humanoid. You can talk to him, relate to him. I don't think anything's going to freak out anybody at that time, given what everybody looked like in the bar. Exactly. That's true. And on the other hand, you know, what's the favorite android or the favorite robot in Star Wars, right? Everybody loves R2-D2, R2-D2. Well, which is basically squeaked. a trash can. Right, yeah. right. And, and everybody, well, not everybody hates C-3PO, but he's irritating. It's his character. So it doesn't really work out the way maybe you'd expect. All right, what else did you want? So how about this, the lightsabers? I have issues with the lightsaber. In fact, I tweeted once about it. I mean, if it's light, you can't have light block light. Light is not space filling. So two lightsabers right. would just pass through one another. That doesn't mean we couldn't make it powerful enough to decapitate you right. or to punch a hole in you. It could still be a dangerous weapon, but you wouldn't be able to have a sword fight with two beams of light. And then someone said, oh, well, it reflects back and it's got some magic goo in it yeah. that solidifies. But I thought that was, that was a lame comeback. There's a lot, of, a lot of literature on the web, of course, about how lightsabers work, and and I and was you really think, would call it literature. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, a lot of, lot of fanboy nerdery. There's a lot nerdery. of encyclopedic yeah. uh, knowledge on something that doesn't exist and how it yes, works. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and I always think, well, maybe the name is just wrong. Maybe they just call it a lightsaber. It doesn't mean it's made of light. If it's a force field that comes out and is filled with a plasma or something like that, then they, they will interact with each other, but if it interacts with you, it'll slice your head So you off. can imagine a plasma containing some ingredient that suspends it within some, the plasma. Or magnetic field or something like right. that. Right. Yeah. You could, two magnetic field lines, you'd have a hard time crossing those. That's true. That's interesting. That's true. Magnetic fields. You know, the lines never cross. Right. You've never seen a bar magnet with magnetic fields crossing. With, you know, with, with iron filings on it, remember from school? Right. They always have a beginning and an end, and they don't touch each other at any time. And if you try to cross these two things, Bad things they happen. might repel each other. They wouldn't might. And in fact, on the sun... We may be onto something I'm here. not On the sun, the sun has explosions, flares, and sunspots, and all kinds of turbulent activity when the magnetic field that's embedded within the gas... I don't know if you know, the sun does not rotate as a solid ball. I mean, it's gas, but the, the equator rotates faster than other regions of the of the ball. So that, in fact, magnetic fields that are in the gas wrap up on each other, and they start coiling, and it reaches a breaking point where it busts free from the surface of the sun, and it takes plasma and flings it into space with it. And so magnetic fields don't like getting messed with. And so I bet we can work on this. I'll call an engineer. I'm getting lost, man. I'm going to call you back. Magnets, right now. magnets, how do they work? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a magnet. Magnets, right? I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so, what else from Star Wars? Well, you know, just any kind of spaceship would be awesome to be able to actually go and yeah, see these things. Yeah, the spaceship is just kind of hovering there. You know, I mean, I mean, the sorry, not the spaceship. The speeder. The speeders, yeah. Yeah. They just hover. They didn't say how. They didn't say why. Uh, but you know, we have that technology now. Just the magnetic levitation? Yeah, the Meisner effect, which is where you have a superconducting magnet, where you actually, you're sort of freezing the magnetic field into two things. And so you can have a magnet that you usually have to dip these in liquid nitrogen and they're really cold, but sometimes you don't have to. And you can put these two magnets together and then just let go and they'll float. Now, if you try to do that with just two regular magnets, they flop around. But if you freeze the magnetic field in, it's like you've locked them together. And you can actually take this magnet and spin it. And it'll spin in place. And it is the freakiest thing you've spin ever seen. Spin in place just in the air. Just sitting there, yeah. It's yeah. awesome. And you could you could actually build a hoverboard or, or a car that A hoverboard way. from Back to the Future. Yeah. So if you had, but it, it, that gets very complicated because you're trying to move something. And you it's not always an, over that. another magnet. Yeah. What happened to the speed of travel? That's one of the things in the movie. So we got to a point where we had the SST. We stopped going faster. Why? 
It's I'm, hard. I'm pissed off. No, but I mean, I know the SST wasn't cost effective. They went out of business. Right. But I would like to think that we've gotten to a place where we can sort of recreate that in a more cost-effective way, in a more comfortable. Remember, I never flew on. You know, part of the reason why the SST went out of business. Part of the reason it was uncomfortable. But no, no, it was. Part of the reason was it wasn't our airplane, and so we did not allow the Concorde to fly Europe residents at supersonic speeds to the West Coast. We said you cannot fly supersonic over our land. Right. It wasn't our airplane. And so all you could do is just cross the pond. That's it. Right. And then, you know, all right, it takes two and a half hours instead of seven. But now with the internet on the airplane, I don't even care how fast the plane goes. It's true. I just watch movies all the time now, <laughs> right? Or I'm writing. But you make an important point, and I'm angered by that because we imagine the future as the time when you would continue ever to go faster right. and faster right. and faster. And we got there and then we stopped. And well, you know what the natural limit of that would be? Suborbital flight. Yes. So suborbital yes, flight. Where I was going. Suborbital flight. Here's how Sharing it goes. a brain here. Yeah. Here's how it goes. So orbit takes about 90 minutes. Space shuttle, space station, 90 minutes to orbit the Earth. That means that you're never more than 45 minutes from any two places on Earth. Okay. If a full orbit is an hour and a half. So wherever you want to go, if you go suborbital, you can get there in 45 minutes. So I want to do a day trip to Tokyo. That's something I would have liked to have enjoyed today, and we can't do that. Right. I would love that, except I would have to get into a rocket and be blasted into space. But, yeah, you were on 100 years ago, they said, oh, I'd have to get into a plane and get blasted into the atmosphere. Yeah, and, and riding on planes sucks. But and, back then, yeah, yeah, a lot of people but, died uh, back then. But again, going back no to the way. whole... Again, that's a technicality. Going back to the whole travel thing again, when you travel a lot, like, I still want the thing from Total Recall. Why can't we just walk past a screen? Why do I have to stop and put my arms up? Do all that stuff? Why can't we walk past the screen? You really want to start talking about TSA here? I do. <laughs> really? You're feeling unviolated on this trip? Mike, so what we need is a device that, that here's the problem. We're in a system where everybody's presumed to be guilty. Okay. That, but it was like that in the, in the movie. Right. And everybody walked past that screen and you could see what was what. And, then you and you saw the it. bones and the... Exactly. Yeah. Right, exactly. right. I, I, Isn't know, that kind of what this thing is? What, what do you call that machine you're going to? Yeah, I think it is, but it's but it's ridiculously slow. You know, my wife says that the reason they're well, doing this seconds. is to get us used to holding our hands up. So when they come to get us, we'll just do this automatically. When they come yeah. to serve man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so, so I know I'm going to lose you after this segment. So other than instant travel, is there some other handheld gadget you think needs to be invented? Um, you stump me. I, I can't really think of... of, of I don't, I don't have the answer. Wouldn't you want your own Death Star? <laughs> I mean, sure. come on. worries me. Yeah, but, but it's, it's not number one yes. on the list. <laughs> well, the answer is yes! <laughs> I want the ability to read women's minds. Oh, that, oh, yeah, that's good. That'd be good. That, that would make social you, life really efficient. Have you tried listening? <laughs> have you tried being sensitive? <laughs> that's so 1890s. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Well, Gary, thanks for hanging out on Star Talk thanks with us. Me, man. It's a lot of fun. And I'm going to find you again in New York or okay. Connecticut. I, I, I'll, I'll find where you're hiding. Next gadgets come around. I want to get a full report. Right. All right, man. Nice to meet you. Excellent. Thank you. Take care, man. Nice to meet you. Great nice. to meet you. Star Talk Radio will be back in just a moment with a conversation with the bad astronomer, and we're going to talk more about gadgets in the future. See you in a moment. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for 
N-E-U. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Welcome back to Star Talk, live San Diego Comic-Con. Comic-Con 2012, baby. I got my friend and colleague, Phil Plate, the bad astronomer. If you're the bad astronomer, then I got to be the badass astronomer. But I yeah, want to do that only yeah. with your permission. We need to settle this oh. one of these days, oh, not... one way or another. Uh-oh, he's calling me out. All right, here we go, arm wrestle. Oh, you'll lose that. Yeah, you I know, I'm going to lose that. Are you... Oh, God. That was audacious me? of you, though. Yes, I know. <laughs> That's like the, the, you know, the little dog that just says, need a... with, the big, with the big bark. Right. We'll find some way. The Star Trek trivia contest. I'm we'll find... figure something out. We'll yeah. find it. So <laughs> we were ta- we've been talking <laughs> about gadgets, and but you took it up a notch. Over the break, you were talking about whatever gadget it is, that could destroy a planet, such as the yeah. Death Star does. Right. And did you do a calculation about this? Yeah, it's actually not that hard. You need a little bit of physics. But basically... Because what it's doing is it completely destroys yeah. all the material connectivity yeah. of the solid object. Why would you need to do that? You know, a 10-mile-wide asteroid pretty much takes care of a planet pretty well. It at least the surface. Surface, the surface, surface life. It'd wipe out everything on the... Every, every living and, thing and on and the certainly surface. certainly 30 or 40 miles across would do it. But to completely blow up a planet, that's a terror device. It's overkill. Yeah, there's no reason yeah. to do it unless you're trying to scare the crap out of somebody. I mean, it's kind of like a nuclear weapon in today's standards of war. Yeah. And it turns out, you, well, first of all, you don't need to do it. And also, it's almost impossible. You could take a, something the size of Mars and hit the Earth with it, and not completely destroy it. To, to completely destroy a planet, think about it, right? You've got this planet here, and you take a rock, and you have to fling that rock off to infinity. All the, the rocks in the planet. And you have to keep doing have to that, get, right? Get, okay. Yeah, and, and look at what it took to get you know, three guys to the moon. It took this giant rocket. So it takes a huge amount of energy to do this. And when you calculate it, it's like more energy than the sun puts out. It's some outrageously huge number. So you can't just blow up a planet. So what, so what you did was calculate the binding energy of mm-hmm. the planet. And if you pump more energy than the binding energy into the planet, it'll explode in the way the Death Star destroys yeah. the planet. Yeah, it's like breaking a stick. The molecules are bound together, you snap, unbind it. That takes some amount of energy. All right, and so the whole yeah. unbinding of the planet, so that's just overkill. So, yeah. but this is the future. A lot of other things happen in it that we just accept, including sound and space. So why don't you yeah. accept that their Death Star can kill a planet? Well, if if it's just trying to like throw a beam at the planet and blow it up, that doesn't work. But you can think of other ways this might do it. For example, if this beam actually converts 1% of the planet into antimatter, boom, right? That's going to blow the planet up. Antimatter and matter, when you touch them, release energy. Is that it basically turns into energy. antimatter? That'll Whatever. Take out some, the whole, some small, some small percent yeah. is what you're saying. But it certainly. So, so why not just have an antimatter torpedo? Yeah. So then you can blow up a planet. What, it, what, why, why are you telling me you Well, it, it still t- takes a huge amount of antimatter. I mean, the amount of antimatter we've made in the past oh, few decades... So 10% but, of the mass of the planet is still yes. huge. 
Oh, yeah. And I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but, but you okay. can calculate that. And, mm -hmm. and it, it's still a huge amount. Planets are extremely dense objects that want to stay together. Did you tell me, did I hear you right that you tweet about the Death Star? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, have you been checked out? <laughs> Do you know how many people want to read tweets about the Death Star? If uh, I recall, maybe I don't want to know. So you're tweeting at, at the Bad Astronomer. At Bad Astronomer, oh, yeah. Bad Astronomer. And so tell me one of your more popular Death Star tweets. Well, in this case, I just said, because I, I do a, a daily fact, a, a BA fact, a Bad Astronomy fact. And today was uh, in honor of Comic-Con. And I just said, basically, don't tell Darth Vader, but the Death Star cannot blow up a planet. And I linked to... An article I wrote where I do the calculation. Which shows how blocks. that works. Uh, in fact, this was written on the Sci Fi Channel portal called uh, Blaster. So you get but around. I do, yeah, I write. Okay, so my we, blog, I gotta love your blog. The blog's got a huge following. This is, uh, this is okay. Bad Astronomer blog. This is coming Discover. from you. You have a huge no, following. No, no but still, but I I'm not writing. I'm, I don't. You've got a decent following. No, so uh, <laughs> dis, uh, on Discover. Discover Magazine. Uh, Discover Magazine. Mm -hmm. in bad their, Astronomy blog. There's a Bad Astronomy blog in their blogs, blogosphere. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. So they have a series, we have a series of blogs uh, that do, there's a cosmology blog and there's one about current events and that sort of thing and I do the astronomy one. Okay. But they let me write about whatever the heck I want. Uh, and in this case, I did write That's an article. That's a good gig. You got to oh, yeah. admit. Oh, yeah. yeah and as a matter of fact, that was part, it was almost in my contract. I said, you know, I'm going to write about Doctor Who. And they're like, absolutely, okay. write about Doctor Who. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh, so, you know, you can, do, you can do these calculations, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, you must play with numbers in your head. Yeah, but I just was never attracted to Star Wars to do the calculations. I, I am try more to get of a Star Trek real, guy. Yeah. You know, I try to be a little more real than the fantasies of Star Wars if I'm going to put a calculation out there for the public. Right. I mean, yeah, you can, you can call Star Wars space opera. Calling it science fiction may be a stretch, but it depends on how you define things. I don't want to get into the whole fan war kind of thing. But, you know, if you're going to establish something, the Death Star can blow up a planet, the Enterprise can move faster than light, we can beam people from point A to point B, there is some math you can do with that. And I know you, and I know that you studied the same things I did when you were in grad school, and it's fun to play with that math. It's, it is fun. It's definitely yeah. fun. I just need, the funness still, to me, has to have some connection sure. to what could happen or sure. might happen. That's all. Right? That's I feel the same way, yeah. Okay, that, that's good. So what else in Star Wars got you? You know, I think the hair bun muffin <laughs> ear muff technology that was very advanced for this being so long ago and so far away. <laughs> the the, <laughs> the ear muffs. Him. Nailed him. They're earmuffs. And, and you know, there are headphones you can get like that. And you can buy these things. You can see people walking around with them. It's awesome. Okay, so that's something we think we'll, the future will never bring. Probably not. No. <laughs> well, when we come back in our next segment, I'm here with my special guest, Phil Plate. We're both here in San Diego. I'm overwhelmed. I'm a newbie here <laughs> at Comic-Con. And I'm a bit overwhelmed. This is what Comic-Con for you? You're in my territory now, baby. Stop, this I, is my fourth or fifth. I am yeah. unworthy. <laughs> so when we come back more live from San Diego. We're back at Comic-Con. Star Talk Live. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Star Talk, you can find us on the web, StarTalkRadio.net. Not only that, Star Talk tweets at Star Talk Radio. I tweet about stuff that just pops into my head at Neil Tyson. And there's a Twitter dude right here as well. My friend and colleague, the bad astronomer, 
Phil Play. Phil, thanks for being on Star Talk. I've been known to tweet. I know. Thanks for having me you're on again. I, in fact, you're up to like 20,000 tweets or something. Yeah, over. I know. You're just out there. You have a lot more followers than I do, and you gain followers faster than I do. you got a lot to learn about tweeting per day, my friend. <laughs> when you get up to 20 or 30 per day. Per day. All right, I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take oh, lessons yeah. from you later. Yeah. So we're just riffing on gadgets. Earlier we had Baba. Baba Booey. Bowie talking about gadgets he's reviewed, and we took this into the future. So we're in the future now, the real or imagined future of gadgets. Let's talk about Doctor Who. Doctor Who. He's got a sonic screwdriver. screwdriver. Love that. Who show. doesn't want a sonic screwdriver? I do not understand the sonic screwdriver. I know. Well, what I like about it is it does anything he needs it to do. Yeah. Open a door. It's literally a plot device. Unlock a window. I mean, I wonder if he'd walk by a cash machine. With yeah, right. Oh, they've done that. Yeah, he's done. They did it in one episode in a, in a Christmas special to get cash out of an ATM. That, yeah. That's wrong. I don't know. <laughs> Whose cash was it? Uh, it's insured. Uh. <laughs> See, now the thing is, you know, that makes sense to me. You can encode stuff into a sonic wave, maybe, and it'll, it's Gallifreyan technology. And in fact, it might not even have to be sonic. I mean, when that first came out, sonic was, they weren't yeah. thinking microwaves, right? Well, they well, also do the, talk Doctor about Who, a laser screwdriver in a couple of episodes. The, the Doctor Who franchise goes back to what, the 60s? 1963. Fine, yeah. okay. So that's, back then, they're not thinking microwave transmissions. I know a lot about Doctor Who, apparently. Um, I've been watching the show since I was a kid, and I love the new stuff and everything. Okay. What, you know what kills me, though? Is so you made the transition without pain. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I love, I, I love all the There's a much higher new... budget shows now. Now oh, yeah. On, and yeah. This, but the writing is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And the thing that gets me is, you know, opening a door and all that kind of stuff, I'll believe that. You can manipulate things with sound waves. The thing is, he'll scan somebody and he'll look at it. And I'm thinking, it's just a green light. Looks, on this like, yeah. What's he seeing in there? <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there's other things like uh, psychic paper where he'll flip open this, this thing that looks like an ID badge and it's a blank piece of paper. And you will see what you want to see on it. And so it'll say, I'm the inspector general for the, you know, the planetary defense system or whatever. In the language whatever. of whatever it is. That yeah, yeah. It, so is he affecting the mind of the person who he's showing the badge? Ooh, you know, I don't think they've ever explained it. I think it just, it reads the mind and will find what oh, it so needs. Oh, so it is, it is yeah. pulling out yeah. of the head. Because the person obviously knows what they need to look for. Yeah, exactly. In great detail. And I, when they first used that as a plot device to get past the guard, I was, just, I was dying. I thought, that is so funny. So you don't need the force? No, no. This is not the TARDIS you're looking for. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the TARDIS you're looking for is elsewhere, right? And, and the great tech of Doctor Who is, is, is the TARDIS. TARDIS is an acronym. It's for time and relative dimensions in space, which is like totally made up. It's, it's just a cool sound, right? Okay. But it's a spaceship and a time machine, right? So, but it, it also can change its shape. But it's it's stuck in the shape of a 1960s police box where people call could, box, yeah. yeah, call box where people could go in and close the door and call the police and be safe from whatever's going on outside. Uh, but it's an iconic shape now. The idea of it, you know, being bigger on the inside than the outside. I love that. So they, it has access to a fourth dimension. Or some, some higher extra dimension. dimension. Yeah. yeah. And they actually explain it in one episode in a brilliant scene where he, he puts something on a, bo- on, a, on a pedestal and then he walks 10 feet away and says, which one is bigger? And the person says, well, the one in the foreground. And he says, that's right, it looks bigger. Now imagine I can keep it looking bigger but put it back over there. And that's, that's how the TARDIS works. Oh. And I was like, that's awesome. That sounds like it makes sense. And then you go, wait a minute. No, wait, no. Wait a minute, wait a minute. But <laughs> they offered an account. <laughs> yes, right, it's right, great. Right. They, they and that's a... what I love about Doctor Who. They explain things, but you don't really gain any knowledge when you walk away from But other than that, there's not many gadgets. It's just he's got the TARDIS and his sonic screwdriver. Everything else is right. him figuring out how to su- save yeah. the, the universe. Pretty much. Right. And the TARDIS, the TARDIS is generally a plot device. It gets them to 
1888 or the far future or whatever, but it's become a character on its own in it's, the show. It's a character on its own. Much like the Enterprise on Star Trek. But unlike other classic franchises like James Bond or Batman mm -hmm. or others where it's kind of all about the gadgets. Yeah. The gadgets are kind of, you can't wait to see what the next gadget oh, that they're going to pull. When I was a kid, yeah. Out of the James utility Bond, belt yeah. or out of the compartment of the car. Mm -hmm. So when we come back, let's talk about that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. When we come back to Star Talk Live from San Diego, Comic Con 2012, I'm here, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your host and astrophysicist. I work at the American Museum of Natural History in New York. And, Phil, you write a blog. I Discover. write the uh, Bad Astronomy blog for Discover Magazine. And, but where do you work, if I were to find from you? From home. I'm a blogger. So, I work from home and don't wear pants. Okay, but we, he put on pants for this. Yeah, where are we? Where exactly are we here? <laughs> yeah, what's the framing? I may be wearing pants. <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. Stay with us. We're back at Star Talk in San Diego, live at Comic Con 2012. The bad astronomer, my friend and colleague Phil Plate. Phil, let's talk about. In this special show on gadgets, the gadgets of James Bond. Sure. One James Bond episode, he made the car disappear. Really? The car okay. had a cloaking yeah. device. I don't yeah. know if you caught that one. And I think they were just catching on to that news story where one side of an object can receive light and transmit it around mm -hmm. the skin of the object and project it out the other side. So that if you're looking, your light path actually did that, but you'd never think that a light path curves. You think that's a straight line to right. your brains and eyes. Right. So I thought that they were trying to stay ahead of things, but mm -hmm. still with a foot in reality. I don't even think you need to do it that way. Now, there has been some technology where you can, you can create this device and they can be microwaves at it, and the microwaves will go around this thing and come out the other side, and it's as if that object doesn't even exist. You just, it, it just looks like the microwaves are coming at you from the source. But you need some but, way to guide the microwaves around it. Ah, but do you? I have this idea. If you had, and, and I've had this idea a long time, and it's actually, I'm seeing it implemented in some very primitive ways. It's still really cool. It's not that you need to guide the light around. You can stop that light and say, so well, when you're seeing something, I see something over there. There's light coming off that surface. Yeah, so there's light coming at me. So it has a direction, right? It's coming from there, not there. So it's coming in a direction, and it has a certain color and a certain brightness. And if I can record that information, if I know the direction it came from, the color and the brightness, then I can say, oh, all I have to do is now have an emitter on the other side of it. And me. electronically send that continual yes. image. Just, and, and then I, I don't send that photon, I send the information to the other side it somehow, recreates it. recreates it, and sends it out in the other direction. Now it turns so out. Then you do it, so it electronically mm, communicates this information yes. out the other side. And if you want to be invisible to everybody, right, you have to know where every photon is coming from Ooh. every direction Ooh, yeah. and send them back out. It turns out we don't really know how to do that. But right. You can do it probably coherently, but not from every direction. Yes, yeah. so if I wanted to hide from you, I could know where your eyes are. I could do that. As you're looking around at me, I can, my computer could figure out where you're looking but and make that part Someone two invisible. feet to the side of me has got another angle, still on your, see another angle on your light. And it turns out in a um, Mission Impossible movie, they had something like this. It was actually registering where a guard was looking and then projecting... In the latest one. Yes, and yes. It, was, it was very well done, and it was that sort of idea. Uh, and I really liked that because it was something I thought of on my own and thought, I'll make a million dollars, except I didn't think about telling Tom Cruise about it. A million dollars. But what some people are doing, and this is a really clever application of it, is they will put a camera right here and then a monitor right here, the on their back. Their yeah, like, like right there, you know, on their stomach or whatever, yeah, solar plexus. And then they have a monitor on their back. And so if you're standing behind somebody, 
and you're looking at them, what you're seeing is what the camera is seeing projected onto the monitor. So and it looks like, like they have a hole in them. <laughs> it's awesome. And the first time I saw it, I was just like, oh, why didn't I think of that? It's a great costume. So you could be like a zombie or something like that, and it looks like you have a hole in you. The only difference mm. is it's only a hole if you're looking straight on. If you try to look at an angle to the other side, it's not going to get right. Not you're still—it's it. like looking at a TV from the side. The TV, yeah, it's a TV it doesn't from the work side. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love this idea. It's—you can imagine a way of making an object invisible to everybody. A and by the way, device. of course, what no one talks about is that there are bands of light that render most of what we interact with in a day completely transparent. So a car is transparent to radio waves, for example, mm -hmm. largely. These walls are transparent to microwaves, otherwise my phone wouldn't work. So We're at Comic-Con, your phone doesn't work, man. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the circuits are completely overrun yeah, yeah, by the population. Everybody tweeting on Everybody people, at yeah. the same time. But we forget that certain solid objects are actually transparent to mm -hmm. visible light, like glass. Mm -hmm. Right? We don't marvel. I wake up in the morning and say, damn, I can see through this solid object. Oh, I think that's awesome. It's completely <laughs> And we just call it glass. He's always just glass. But there, we, I want to see through this wall. Well, just pull out some microwaves and you'll see through the wall. Or you, you can put a window in, in it. Or put a window in it. Your way's hard. <laughs> so what else do we have? I complained about one of the James Bonds where he had a fountain pen. And Q said it had an extremely strong magnet at its tip. Mm -hmm. And he might use it for any number of things. So someone shoots a bullet at him and he deflects the bullet with the magnet on his pen. It's like, in train, no. what's the bullet made of? Lead. Yeah, yeah doesn't or whatever. Whatever, yeah. it's not something magnetic. Maybe it was cop, no, copper only Cop's conducts. Still not. It's not still magnetic, not. it's not magnetic. You're not going yeah. there. Nickel? You're trying to, trying to bail them out. This Just year? say they messed yeah. up. Just say it. Oh, I'll be happy to okay. say that they messed up. Yeah, it could be a nickel bullet. A <laughs> yeah. nickel bullet could do it. Yeah, and, and momentum is an issue as well. I mean, if you're trying to push a bullet to the side, I guess if you're pushing it to the side... Yeah, it's a deflection. You're not stopping yeah. it. Yeah, yeah if yeah, you yeah. try to stop it, that would blow its right. hand off. But if you're just trying to push it to the side, yeah, it's not... That's right, because... Oh, if... no, it is... Yeah, because that bullet is moving so quickly, you have to apply a huge force to the side to be able to move it from here to here in, in that the time, in the amount that, of time. In the time. So it's still, he still, that, he would, still has to that actually, would be like getting punched in the face. Right. This thing. Yeah, that won't work. Right, he can't that just hold work. the magnet and have the magnet do its work. He's got to be yeah. behind the magnet. Yeah, and you have to really... That's the same yeah. problem when they show people firing heavy machine guns and not showing them recall. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. you need, the, the physics still has to work, which is what Terminator got right. Because when they shot the Terminator, everybody felt the recoil of these, of these mm. bullets, of the shot. It was working. Yeah. So, Phil, we've got to wrap up. Thanks for being Aww. on Star Talk. I, I love know. doing this. It happened so quickly. Yeah, it always happens. We both talked too much. I know. Talk to We'll get you back on. It's been great <laughs> to have you. You've been listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're funded in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Signing off from San Diego, as always, keep looking up.